Well, I want to welcome y'all to another Daily Deccan. This after the uh, the weekend of the Feast of the Sacred Heart and the third Sunday of Pentecost. And we've got a couple of uh, e emails in the inbox. I'm going to have to take them one at a time, so one today and one tomorrow. Uh, the first one is from S, who has written before. And uh, some of y'all might remember uh, um, he was having some some family issues which by uh, the power of prayer and uh, and I'm sure some effort on his part have been resolved and have much improved and he's returned now uh, to ask for help with work and housing hasn't gone into detail and not, uh, I'm glad that he hasn't uh, for his sake of his privacy and, uh, and security but uh, I'd like to pray for him and for the difficulties th that he's having uh, with work and with housing. And we're just going to leave it right there, vague as it can be, uh, and let God do all the work. Let God uh, do what his power permits him to do. Uh, and we also have another one, but we're going to uh, tackle that one tomorrow. If you have an intention of any kind, I encourage you to send it in to dailydecadrequests at protonmail.com. That's decade, D-E-C-A-D-E, -E, requests in the plural, at protonmail.com. And give us the opportunity to pray for you and uh, to confess before God that he's the only one that can solve all of our issues. And the power of prayer is real because it's pleasing to God when we ask him for things. If we confess in our heart that he is truly Lord. That's what it means to confess that Christ is Lord in our hearts and on our lips. It's not just to say the words. It's not just to, to say, I believe in Jesus Christ or recite the creed or, or what have you. It is to speak and to live in such a way that we recognize his sovereignty and his dominion over all things. That's what it means to confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Because what is a Lord? The Lord has, has power. He's our, he's our liege Lord. He supplies us with what we need to survive, whether it's a, a feudal Lord would have land. Uh, you know what, I'm starting to go on to what I wanted to talk about later, so I'm not going to go into it right now. But we'll talk about that when we get done with the prayers. Anyway, confess in your hearts and on your lips that Jesus Christ is the Lord through your prayers and petitions. Right now, uh, I'd like to go ahead and turn our attention and our, our hearts and our minds to God. Have your rosaries ready. And today is a Monday, so we're going to pray in Latin, and we're going to pray for the intentions of S, uh, for his uh, housing and his employment uh, issues, that they be resolved in a way that is uh, in accordance with the will of God and beneficial to him. In nomine Patris, Fidi, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in Celis, sanctificator nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fia voluntas tua, sicun in Celo et in Terra, panum nostrum quotidianum de nobis odie, et de midi nobis debita nostra, sicud et nos de midimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amano. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostri. Amen. 
Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostre. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, Ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostre. Gloria Patria, Fidio et Spiritui Sancto, Sicurerat Principio et Nunc et Semper et Secula Seculorum. Amen. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordia, Vita Dolcedo et Spes Nostri, Salve. A te clamamus, exudis filia evi, a te suspiramus, dementes et flentes in hac lacrimanum, Ali. Ea ergo, advocata nostra, Ilos tuus misericordes oculos ad nos converte. Et Jesum, beatum fructum ventris tui, nobis postoc exilium ostende. O Clemens, O Pia, O Dulce Virgo Maria. Ora pro nobis, Sancta Dei Genetrix, ut digni officiamo permissionibus Christi. Oremus. Pour forth we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ, thy Son, was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. O blessed St. Joseph, patron of the worker, 
is the first servant of God, spouse and protector of the Blessed Virgin Mary, whose task it was to provide for all the physical needs of the Holy Family. Assist the servant of God, yes, in his undertakings, that all of his work may be pleasing to God, that he may have everything he needs to be a good servant of God, and that in the midst of all of this, his happiness should not be diminished, and his crosses not overwhelming, but that he may, he may complete those tasks which God has assigned to him, in humility and in joy, as thou didst. And we ask this in the name of thy foster son, the Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, who liveth and reigneth with God the Father and the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end. Amen. For all of us in our daily difficulties, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Sacratissimum Coriezu, Miserarinobis. Sacratissimum Coriezu, Miserarinobis. Sacratissimum Coriezu, Adveniat Regnum. In nomine Pacis, Affidiate Spiritus Sancti. Amen. I almost launched into what I wanted to talk about today earlier when I started talking about uh, confessing uh, Jesus Christ on our lips and in our hearts. Uh, and that wasn't the main focus of what I wanted to talk about, but nevertheless it ties in very well. I was, uh, I was having a conversation uh, with my eldest child, <laughs> as one does, uh, because my eldest is getting ready to uh, come more fully into the church. Uh, and to receive the sacrament that, that does that. And so we were having a conversation about the conscience and about what the, uh, what the reason why we have a conscience and the reason why uh, there's a time at which a conscience kicks in. And, and the church suddenly says, well, now, now you're accountable for X, Y, and then later on you're accountable for X, Y, and Z, and later still you're accountable for A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and, and the rest of it. Uh, and why these steps take place and how they take place for different people. In the midst of all of this, one of the things that, that, that I hit upon and one of the things that was... that came back at me was the question of a challenge and why God sends challenges and tests and these sorts of things and one of the things that it's an interesting thing to reflect upon we say that God tested Abraham God didn't need to the way when we when we're tested in school, it's in order to discover how much we've retained, how much we've gained, how much we understand. And God doesn't need an evaluation. He doesn't need us to fill out an, asse an assessment in order for Him to know what we're capable of. He knows. He knows all things. So why why test Abraham? Why test us? And. The solution that I proposed to this particularly vexing problem is, and it's 
one that I've come up with before, but I, I think it's satisfactory, and maybe it's not. Uh, and uh, before I say anything that might be of doctrinal significance, I, my usual disclaimer that I am not an authority in the church. I'm a layman, and therefore I can go wrong, and uh, you obviously don't have any obligation to listen to me because I have no teaching authority, not being a priest. And if I'm about to say anything that is contradictory to the teachings of the Holy Church, then revoco, I, I recant any heresy. I certainly don't want to teach any heresy or spread any heresy or anything like that. I just want to uh, help us all get a little bit closer to God. Uh, in this case, it seems to me that the test and the challenges that God gives to us, the obstacles that he puts in our way, are in, on the one hand a sort of penance, a sort of species-wide penance that we get for having such a small obstacle and failing to get, o and failing to get over it, which is the, the tree in the garden. But it's also in order to teach us much more than it is to learn about us. We are not like God. We cannot see our abilities and our limitations. We cannot see what we can do. To, we often have either an overinflated sense of ourselves or we have an under, uh, we, we underestimate our abilities, our spiritual abilities. And actually, I think for all the pride that is out there today, all the spiritual pride that afflicts people, myself included, it seems to me that more people have an underestimation of their spiritual abilities, of their self-discipline and their ability to please God, than have an overestimate. And this is what enables them, enables us, all of us, to sort of brush God to the side and say, well, he can't possibly expect that of me and make excuses for those sins into which we fall, which we might not if we just put forth a little bit more of a modicum of effort. And the challenges that God sends us, these tests that he sent us, they're not to show him what we can do. He knows that. He's revealing something to us. The challenges that he sends us tell us what expectations he has of us. This is a lesson I've sort of learned through fatherhood because we're given the number of souls that God knows we have the capability of leading to heaven. When God calls a man to the priesthood, he is saying to that man, you have the ability within yourself, the discipline, the love of God, capacity for love and the wisdom necessary to lead souls to heaven and that's a great responsibility that you must take on that's what a vocation really is it's God calling people God calling men in particular when we talk about the priestly vocation to take upon this burden that he has for them this responsibility to do what must be done in order to fulfill the task that they are given. And in their case, it's the salvation of souls, the salvation of many souls, their entire parish. For every priest will stand before the throne of God and answer for all the members of his parish throughout his entire priestly career who have gone to hell. He will answer for them. 
well, they'll answer for themselves, of course, because they'll, they'll be damned, but he will answer for their failure. The same is true of every father. All of our children and our wives, there are responsibilities. There are challenges, obstacles that God puts in front of us, because it is very difficult to deal with another human being. Jean-Paul Sartre said that hell is other people. And the reason for that is because he didn't have God. And so he couldn't see a way out of hell. And the reason why he said it, though, is because other people are a burden. It's difficult. That's why God calls on us to love our enemies. And when he says our enemies, he doesn't mean the people that seek to break into our homes and kill our families and you know, take our things. He's talking about the guy down the street who doesn't put his garbage can in the right place so that you bump into it every time you go around the cul-de-sac. You know, things like that. Now, it might sound like I know somebody like that. I actually don't, but it's one instance. You know, Enemicus is the term, is the Latin term for this enemy. And Enemicus is someone deeply familiar to you, someone you know, someone you see on a daily basis. Sometimes it's your boss. Sometimes it's uh, someone who you refer to as your friend when you're talking to other people, but you really can't stand their company. These, these are things that God calls on us to love those people because those people are the ones that are there to remind us that other people are difficult. But we are called not just to tolerate, but to love them. And if we do, well then other people are not so much so hellish as the French nihilists would like them to be. And that's a challenge. Now imagine not just putting up with someone else, but loving them so much that you put all of your effort into getting them to heaven. That's parenting. Your, your children, they certainly can't get under your skin, much more than any office worker can. But they are there, flesh of your flesh, bone of your bone, to carry you to heaven. carry each other. And those challenges teach us something about ourselves, what we're able to do, and how we're able to please God. And it takes away our excuses. You know, a conscience, a highly developed conscience, takes away our excuses for doing evil. It takes away our excuses for saying that what we've done is not a mortal sin, when it is. The more fully we understand sin, the more likely it is to become deadly to us. That's actually, knowledge is one of the elements of mortal sin that's important. And that brings us to the confession of Christ as Lord. There are people who, I think, take Christianity, they're rather like Muslims, really. There's these evangelicals that run around in this country, in particular, who think that if you just confess, I believe, Jesus Christ is Lord and He is my Savior. That if you just do that, you're good. That's Christianity. You've been cleansed of your sins and you're in the clear. That's Islam. To be a Muslim, all you have to do is confess that there is no God but God and, and, and then call Muhammad the Prophet. I'm not going to say the whole phrase, because to say that, if a Muslim heard me, I would be a Muslim. And then say, uh, you know, say, say, peace be upon him after every, uh, after every Muslim prophet that you, that you name. Now, that's a confession of the faith. 
that makes you a Muslim, that act. And there are a lot of evangelical Christians who basically hold Christianity to the same standard. If you just read this line, I guess for some people it's John three, John chapter three, verse sixteen. You just read that line, you're in. That's it. God would not make His faith so easy. <laughs> We are tested, and we are challenged, and we are given crosses because it is not easy. It is not supposed to be easy to be a Christian. It's supposed to be difficult. That's why so few are saved. We're taught regularly about the fewness of the saved and the fewness of the elect. They would not be so few if it were easy, and it would not be so worth it if it were easy we would not we would not a, a god who makes our religion easy is not a god who is worthy of striving after a god who takes the cross off our back and says no you don't have to do that he's not a god worthy of bearing a cross for that's how we know that the false gods who promise us those things and the false prophets who tell us that it should be easy are false because the true God makes us to be greater than what we think we are. He created us for higher things than what we, by our nature, are drawn to. St. Stanislaus Kostka says that we are born for higher things, born for greater things. That's the challenge of, of Christianity to confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord by giving him dominion, giving him sovereign right over our mouths. The Lord says that that which comes out of the mouth corrupts more than that which goes into it. And the reason for that is because what you say and what you do are intimately tied together. What you say can cause tremendous scandal. And words we know, I think everybody listening to this knows that words can, are, are difficult to take back once they're said. But certain words, once they're said, can cause irreparable harm. That's the power of words. Well, if the power of words over other people are that great, and the Word of God, the Son of God is called His Word, well then, how can we say that so simple and easy a thing as it's merely to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord is merely to speak the words and not to put a watch over our mouths altogether and to speak all and to speak every single word that we say as if it were the confession of that holy reality, that holy truth, that Christ is the Son of God, who came for our salvation, suffered and died on the cross, descended into hell, rose again on the third day, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, whence he shall come again to judge the quick and the dead. His kingdom shall have no end, among other things. And that's why it's so important to watch our language, which is something that I, I personally struggle with. Something I think all Americans do, most working men do, certainly, to express frustration and not to bear it. A cuss really is nothing more than you taking, uh, taking your cross and kicking against it. 
you won't actually kick it off. It'll still be there. But it's a, it's it's sort of a, a you toss it up, it comes back down on your shoulder again. It's a an expression of frustration, a spitting out of frustration. And the same thing is true of all of our actions, in our hearts, how we how we actually think and feel and behave. To confess in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord is to give him dominion over your heart. It's to enthrone him there. Jeremiah the prophet, it's a passage I mentioned, I must mention this at least once a week because it's one of my favorite passages. The human heart is deceitful above all things, who can know it? It's a wonderful answer to all of those people running around out there saying, follow your heart. No, don't follow your heart, that's a terrible idea. Let your heart be led and let Jesus Christ lead it. That's what it means to confess Jesus Christ as Lord in your heart. To put him in the command chair. To put him in the throne. And have him in charge of your heart, leading it. So that its deceit will not lead you astray. To bridle your emotions. And to put the reins in the hands of our Lord. Those are the challenges that we're given, the obstacles that we are to overcome so that we can know better what it means to be a true Christian. We can know better how we have failed to live up to the expectation and therefore take that knowledge and apply it such that we are always, always improving ourselves in our faith, always growing in our faith, always tending towards perfection. That's what the command means, to be perfect as thy Father in heaven is perfect. So my prayer today is that all of us confess with our deeds, with our speech, and with our whole being, our love for God above all things, and our love for our neighbor as ourselves that the challenges might be less challenging and that they might teach us more about God and about His expectations for us that we might enjoy His praise for us as we glorify Him uh, His gratitude how do I put it no it's because God doesn't praise us He doesn't He doesn't have gratitude because he doesn't need the praise that we give to him. I want to be careful because we confess, every time we say a prayer like this, we confess the truth about God. And my prayer today really is that we're better able to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves through our acceptance of the challenges that God sends us. That we might enjoy all the heavenly rewards that accompany a good fulfillment of the challenges and the tasks that God has given us. And that we'll hear from him, good and faithful servant, as he welcomes us into heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.